0: This episode of Global Lithium Q&A is actually episode 53 of the Global Lithium podcast, entitled Boys in the Hood, featuring team benchmark, including Simon Moores, Andrew Miller, Casper Rawls, and Big Ben the Society Ash, recorded in Los Angeles, California, during the Cathodes 2019 event. I'm sure that this second episode with Team Benchmark uh, is going to go down as one of the top 10 of all time, and uh, happy to be able to bring it to you via the Anchor platform. Uh, As always, uh, the Global Lithium Podcast is sponsored by Zelandes, and without further ado, I leave you to Team Benchmark.
1: Casper, I like you more, given your low Uber rating.
0: Thanks very much. Well, You're she's welcome. banned she for does. life. You know that.
1: The best. Hey, Joe. Hey,
0: Emily. The first. Fifteen 2015, that the lithium market was showing
2: signs of, of movement. Um, a lot of people were talking about EVs and the potential of EVs, this was in early 2015.
0: As many members of the lithium community know, I did a crowdfund for a short film that I wrote and directed.
2: And even
3: a little bit about our culture too, like I feel like it's an important element to be sharing with, with people
0: outside the company and, and yes, that is a deliberate strategy. You're listening to the Global Lithium Podcast. Today's episode of the Global Lithium Podcast is brought to you by Zelandes, a brine fuel services company active in the lithium space. Zelandes aims to improve on ineffective geoscience technologies and techniques used in brine operations by providing more data, faster and bringing actionable insights to their clients in hours rather than days. You can find them at www.zelandez.com. That's Z-E-L-A-N-D-E-Z. Welcome to another episode of the Global Lithium Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joe Lowry.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Emily
0: Hirsch. And today we are in Los Angeles, California. Actually, I, are we are we in Culver City or are we in? Uh, we're still in LA. Okay, we're still yes. in LA. All right, I just like to be accurate. We were here for Cathodes 2019, the benchmark event that has become the de facto conference of conferences. And we have the benchmark team here, and we have a very special guest. Ben Ash who is now known as the hardest working guy at Benchmark but he's not the hardest working person because that award goes to Emily Dunn shout out to Emily Dunn hope you enjoy your trip in the camper to um, the Grand Canyon I happily and pass we'll,
3: that battle over we'll,
0: we'll, we'll catch up with you next time and so we have here Big Ben Ash thanks for having me Simon Moores thank you Casper Alls and my wife's second favorite person at Benchmark, Andrew Miller. Thank you.
1: Joe, before we get all serious, I have a new award in the lithium space that I would like to give out, which is Best Beard, which goes to Casper. Oh,
0: wow. I mean, Thank Casper you. has been sucking up the accolades all week. He is like the accolade yeah. magnet. I'm never going to leave. And, uh, and Ben
1: have beards. They're not great beards. Well no, Ben does not
0: have a beard. I
3: shaved it because of the stick you were giving me the other day in the bar so I thought I'll get rid of it
0: somewhat. Well, Damn. there wasn't much to get rid of but I yes, I can see I'll you, try it you thinned out the already thin beard. Yep. Whoa! <laughs> hey. All right, I could take it so, I mean <laughs> I'm never going to be Casper but <laughs> this is body shame you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, all these books okay. on the podcast <laughs> and now it's body shame <laughs> dude how old are you? 30.
4: I, I you are you millennial?
0: you are a millennial yeah, you're, a, you're definitely a millennial 100% Okay. Millennial. Yeah, you should try and grow a beard. <laughs> so I couldn't I wish could. I could yeah alright anyway we got to get down to task here because it was a busy week For benchmark busier for some than others as i understand it but we'd like to cover several topics among them just kind of we're going to talk to the the big man here so simon as the guy i sat with on lithium row in tokyo japan in october of 2015
1: when whoa 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 lithium row lithium row what is lithium row
0: lithium row is there's a starbucks in akasaka right near akasaka mitsuke eki and at that starbucks if you walk a hundred meters up you get the first lithium office which is my old joint venture partner Hanjo chemical in between would we would find sqm tochu who had lithium investments on and off everybody's there and at the end of lithium row is the tesla store Ooh, cool so that's why it got the name lithium row and that very day i met with simon moores and garrett fueling so without for the preamble the say just set the point i was gonna make was that at that time four years ago simon i asked simon about benchmark i hadn't seen simon since i think buenos aires when the or Santiago, when the first Lithium Conference was held. So it had been several years. And he told me that, you know, benchmark, what his vision was. And we got a little crossways because he said there was only Andy. But since that time, we've had some revisionist history because (laughs) Ben Ash is – made the claim and it's been validated that he was actually an employee at the time i guess he just wasn't uh important enough <laughs> he just w- hadn't been paid yet maybe that's it that's <laughs> prove <pray for>
5: yourself <laughs> yeah From okay scratch.
0: so and now how many people are at benchmarks Simon? 30 right 30. now. 30, that's 30. Yep. that's substantial growth i think you may be the largest battery materials focused entity out there yeah really? I think we are. Well, we 100% are.
5: More than that. We were probably that two years ago, right? (laughs) But, um, I mean, 30 people, it's been mad to see that grow. It's kind of grown without us even realizing it. When you hire people because you need to, because of the demand for the products, launching more things, it's just happened organically.
0: So what's been the biggest change in how you run Benchmark with now? I mean, it's... Because I asked, I think, the other day that... You know what, what's the org structure of Benchmark, and I, I I think the answer was Simon's the boss and we're not. But um. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds good to me. Right? Okay. Yeah. Does it though?
1: I mean, when you look at going from a scrappy entrepreneur to having to lead a group of people and sort of set the direction uh, and coordinate, how has that changed you?
5: Oh, I have no idea. You have to ask these guys. Have Still I changed? Still scrappy. I reckon I've become more chilled out.
3: Have I? You say? You reckon? I think pretty much the same. Yeah, I um, wouldn't say you've changed too much. Pretty but, much the same. But I'd the key,
5: say. I think the key thing is, if you hire, hire based on personality, you know, not many people know this industry anyway, most people are going to have to learn it. But you hire on personality, people then share your vision, share the work ethic, share the way you treat people, which is absolutely critical, then things just happen. You don't have to worry about almost managing people, the whole thing is quite organic, it manages itself.
0: Well, it's interesting, you you, you hire for personality, so is there a benchmark personality type?
5: There is, and I don't know what it is, because you only know when you meet the person.
0: Okay, fair enough, the only comment I'm going to make is that when our next podcast guest, who's out typing on his computer outside of this studio, when he joined Benchmark, I said to young Vivas, as a non drinking vegan, <laughs> <laughs> how do you fit into the kind of, I, you know, I w- I'm not going to say there's any exact benchmark type, but normally consumption of alcohol. Tends to follow the benchmark team. And as I recall, there's usually a non vegan diet involved. So, so I, 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 I take that as a compliment because now you, you've got d- diversity. And I'll let Emily guffaw if she must, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. She, should, she said she wasn't going to participate in any negative energy today. Nope. So, all right. Anyway, let's we can get down to brass tacks, but we would just like to... T- where do you see benchmark five years from now?
5: I live by 18-month windows. Okay, where do you see benchmark in 17 months? <laughs> um, Bigger. Better but still lithium-ion battery supply chain. I think the key thing for us is uh, just continuing to build the market out. Obviously look, we're, we're launching nickel, sulfate next. That's the last sort of raw material for us. But then my job really is working on governments, working on oil and gas industries, bringing in new different types of investors like the West Coast VC guys, those billionaire entrepreneurs that would love this space that don't know it. That's my goal to bring in those types of communities and i think just just growth of all these different types of people is where i see benchmark but i
1: don't know so
0: even though this is a global lithium podcast today we have a cobalt expert in our midst Welcome Casper.
2: Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on the show. It's, it's been, a, been
0: a Well, we've been waiting to have you. We we we've, uh, we've, we've, we've proffered invitations before and logistics just haven't worked out. But uh tell us if you were going to give us the 3-minute version of where cobalt is in the development of the lithium battery not just EV, but just the whole battery supply chain and you, you have this this bias has been i mean i sat with Sumitomo Metal mining a couple of years ago and they showed me how little cobalt they actually used in nca and how mm-hmm. you know that was because it was a major concern of everybody that what was going yeah. with the cost of cobalt to supply where it comes from so
2: Yeah, right now, I mean, yeah, the trend is less cobalt in batteries, right? That's true. But um, when they say, you know, Sumitomo, okay, NCA is very low cobalt already, but it uses some. And I think the kind of NCM, which is by far the majority of the EV market, which is where the growth is coming from, that is not going to move to those low low cobalt. um, Well, NCM811 is kind of the one that everyone talks about as quickly as people think. It's quite challenging it's technically challenging uh, it's more expensive to produce so there isn't really any saving there at the moment uh, but it is more energy dense so that's why we're moving to it but you know now I, in my presentation at Cathodes, I think I gave the number eight percent of cathode production facility capacity is dedicated to 811 just eight percent this tiny part of the market um, and even less at the mega factory at the battery scale so it's still there, it's growing rapidly like everything else. Funnily enough, it's growing rapidly and prices are low, but um, same, I think, for lithium. Uh, but, you know, it's a long road before you can say that, you know, we're going to be at those really low cobalt levels One for of the industry.
1: the things that other people have said that I have repeated without actually verifying with a cobalt expert has been that on a long-run basis that cobalt is a bigger bottleneck to scaling up electrification or mass battery production than lithium. Is that true?
2: Uh, Am I wrong? It can be. Cobalt's a lot more complicated. So right now there's not a problem with cobalt. I mean, things have changed quite a lot recently because Glencore, the largest cobalt producer in the world, just announced they're, or in August announced they're going to close at the end of this year the world's largest cobalt mine. So that's changed things quite a lot, but it's a potential bottleneck and it's complicated because it's a by-product. So it isn't you don't pr- mine it pr- as a primary product.
1: Would you say that 90 or 95% of the cobalt that goes into the market is extracted as a by-product?
2: 99%. Wow. Yeah, 99. So mostly from copper projects in the DRC, 70 72%. The rest comes from nickel mostly and there's a couple of other sources and then one primary mine. In Morocco. So
1: when we talk about the artists One of the problems with cobalt is the um, artisanal slash illegal mining that's undertaken mostly by children in very dangerous conditions. Are those children mining copper?
2: It, it's not mostly by children. So artisanal, the problem with artisanal mining is that you don't know where it's come from. So some of it's legal and is fine and is safe, and that's what we want the industry to move towards. But then equally there's a portion of it that is illegal, which could be... People mining in a concession they don't have the, the permission to, or they could be, as you say, the human rights issues, including forced labor and child labor, which is a really a very small part. But the risk is any one, you know, one gram of your cobalt are comes they, from that.
1: Are they mining copper though?
2: No, uh, so no, it's it's not it's not valuable enough. Is the artisanal workforce are looking for the cobalt because it's high value? Okay. It's, they, you get that in gold in the DRC as well. So, you, but you have more strict regulations around gold.
0: I mean, I, I go back to the basically the very beginning of the lithium ion battery business and i can remember being in a cobalt conference in the okura hotel in tokyo i think it was either 96 or 97 and i think cobalt was what they were buying then was it 50 bucks a pound they it had did gone, go up that high yeah, from, like from nine to yeah. 50 and dr nishi from sony basically got up and said this can't be or we're not going to have a we're not going to have a business and I think the next year it was way down. And yeah, yeah, savage yeah. moves, yeah. But it was always, when I went out to negotiate lithium contracts, there was no, nobody had any idea about price. We could just kind of make it up as we <laughs> went along, which was a great world for us, because we had prices, all, all, you know, was what you could negotiate, was what you got. And everybody said to me, but Lowry-san, they have LME for cobalt. Right. And I yeah. said, well, good for you, but... Um, you know, we, we still don't have uh, LME for lithium. And now my question is, th- tell me about the LME cobalt.
2: Yeah, so the contract has struggled with liquidity since day one. Now, there's a number of... Short story, there's a couple of reasons for that. One primarily is that when you buy cobalt, you're not just it's for cobalt metal physical contracts It's the first contract now you're not just buying any cobalt metal if you're a consumer you need it comes in lots of different shapes forms we call them and if you you know for your specific application you need sometimes a specific form or shape but sometimes you actually need a specific brand so like aviation super alloys they will only have a couple of approved like the qualification is years long to get this stuff pr- approved to go into the aviation industry. So when you buy from the LME, you're guaranteed the quality, but you can get any listed brand. So you can get any form. And, that, and you know, as a consumer, that's no good to you. The other issue you have is that um, as a speculator, A, you might not want to take physical metal. So that's, you know, not helpful to you, but also uh, it's not very liquid. So if you take a large position, you can't get out of it when you need to. It's not very good as a, as a hedging tool. So... That's been one of the problems. So it still struggles with liquidity, very small volumes trade. And then there is now also a cash-settled contract, which so far, I think, hasn't traded at all. So, again, what's, very illiquid.
1: What's the difference between the old contract and the cash-settled contract? <laughs>
2: so the old one, you would take physical delivery, so you actually get the metal, and the cash one, you get cash, which is good if you don't want... If it's more, It's meant to help generate liquidity because a lot of people can't take... Physical, if they're just speculating, if you're a consumer, you can, but you don't know what you're going to get. You could get any brand, which isn't good for
0: you. So, Simon, when you look at how this might emerge in the lithium side of things, what are your thoughts on that?
1: That
5: That's a good question. Um, The lithium industry... Cash settled thing is a financial contract for the financial industry, for speculators... It's not there to serve as a function for the actual industry. Um, the one thing that we always say is that any form of exchange uh, or any form of financial contract has to be lithium-focused. You have to understand who the players are in the market, both on the supply side and, and the buyers, the buyers especially, um, what they actually need and and create that. And I think... You know, a cash settled contract doesn't do that, Um, but it's clear that lithium needs help in um, new trading mechanisms to help reduce volatility in the price, to make it more transparent. So um, new buyers can come into the market, the industry can grow. And um, well, that's my thoughts. Andy, what do you think?
4: I'd agree. I I think also the risk you have, going back to what Casper was saying about the liquidity of the contract, if a contract has limited liquidity, then, you know, is it being used by the industry, but also does it serve as potentially a hindrance or a distraction from people trying to make decisions about, you know, whether it be investments or or what references you use in the lithium market? Um,
0: Well, you guys are talking to all, the one nice thing about talking to you is that you touch on all parts of the value chain. So is there any expectation that it could ever be practical to have delivered physical lithium given what I know about how people qualify material and what I know about how picky people are and if you have Abelmarl material in a warehouse and somebody hasn't qualified them they're not you you can't get them to take it I think it depends how big
5: the industry gets, right? We're dealing with a 300,000 ton, give or take LTE chemical industry last year. And, um, right now it's a specialized industry. We're dealing with a specialty chemical where the customers dictate the terms, the specifications, um, they have partnerships with the suppliers. So once you're qualified, once you're in there, it's, it lasts for decades. Um, you know, that's, Lithium industry today, you know, it's not a commodity, regardless of what people try and say and shoehorn into it. It's understanding those nuances. Um, but, you know, when lithium gets to double the size, 600, 700, a million tons, um, can you then change the way it's traded? Um, I don't know.
0: I think, and uh, it, it, it maybe in Tier 2 and Tier 3 you could. Mm. But I think in Tier 1, particularly because... Most of tier one is going to be, ultimately, probably be slanted towards hydroxide because of high nickel, and hydroxide's much harder to store. It, you know, it, it it seems to me like a very difficult premise. And, and then the other thing, and I want to just make sure that you guys are hearing the same thing and that I'm hearing, or if not, we'll talk about the differences. You know, I had, I had Paul Graves on a recent podcast, and he was just talking more about even within one customer, they might have four different specs yeah. for different things they're trying to make. Yeah. And when I worked for what's now live Ent, I mean, I was telling somebody the other night, we, we had a spec, but for battery it was meaningless because everybody had their attached, we got to have this, we got to have this, we don't want that. And so we were called blue sheets at the time because even though – we did have computers back in those days. They had, really, physically had a blue page in a book that said, "It's got to be this, or we can't ship it." So, are you hearing similar things, Mister Miller, from the market?
4: I think that's that's definitely a concern on the the chemical side. You know, you, for the consumers, I think you know there definitely is a push for. Um, whether it be tier one consumers or any other consumers, I think you'd agree to qualify more types of material and be able to not be so tied to one or two producers. But maybe the reality of the market today with the structure that you have today means that if you're ordering certain volumes, you it's just just the fact that you're going to be tied or pretty heavily reliant on one or two major suppliers. So I think, like Simon said, scales, until you have some time of scale, you're not going to have...
0: Well, I heard I heard an interesting story that there's there's one particular buying entity out who's claiming they need 50,000 tons of lithium hydroxide next year and it's not tesla or it's not Sumitomo metal mining for tesla material so if that in fact were the case i mean there literally is nowhere you can go from one supplier because first of all you take a company like gangfen and gangfen's very been very shrewd about how they've contracted and they're and they're doing the same thing that that i used to do is it's a I'm only going to give you X percent of my capacity. I will never give you. Well, I would never even give one guy 20. But um, if if you have a 50,000 ton need, and they probably don't. But even if even if that's aspirational, it happens in 2023. How do you satisfy that demand?
4: It's a good question. It's something the industry needs to. To, to answer pretty quickly. And I think that goes back to the, some of the timeframes. I know you guys point out your, on the pod quite a lot, and, and we try and say it in our presentations, the, the lead time for this build-out that you're talking about by the mid-2020s, you can't just talk about getting a mine into production. You have to have scale, you have to have qualification, um, and all of that takes time. So, yeah, 50,000 tons of hydroxide is a lot.
0: Is there anything in cobalt that's like what you go through for lithium qualification?
2: uh it's yeah in cobalt it's not quite the same so typically the battery supply chain would be buying like well china the chinese refiners buy cobalt hydroxide which is what comes out of the drc but it's not as stringent on the products actually varies quite a lot even from batch to batch from the same producer that's not as important um and you know with cobalt it's more about getting it out the ground economically i think than the, with lithium, it's like the processing is really complex. I don't think you really have that necessarily in cobalt, and, until you get further downstream to more like battery-focused products.
0: Well, it's a, it's another question I have for you is that I don't know how much you know about lithium specs, but at the end of the day, a lot of these processes you're mixing everything, so the you have yeah. to deal with the the total impurity base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, what do you think about the trade-offs between? I mean, if you have the best lithium carbonate and you dump in Dirty cobalt,
2: yeah, but you've pro- you've processed by the time it go gets in, into contact with the lithium, it's already precursor, so it's been processed several times by then, and it's you know that's and that.
0: Well, that's what I'm really asking. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about the the, the material that then is processed, so the spec on that. But that's an internal spec. Yeah, within... so cobalt sulfate would be
2: for the EV industry. Yeah. It'd be cobalt sulfate, largely speaking, and that is it, it's it's yeah, it's important, um, but I think it's not quite as challenging as lithium in terms of it's easier to source from lots of people and there are lots of producers. So um, yeah, it's not the same level of scrutiny on those those impurities is important, but it's not like so challenging like lithium.
1: This episode of the Global Lithium Podcast is brought to you by Solandes, a Brownfield services company that specializes in real-time technology services and solutions that improve customer performance. Low-confidence data, lack of actionable insights, multi-day turnaround, sound familiar? Delays and budget runovers are a constant threat, and without that data, projects don't advance. Zelandes offers an exclusive borehole magnetic resonance service that characterizes the in-situ porosity and permeability of your mineral resource faster and more accurately than conventional methods. Zelandes brings a new way of doing things to the lithium brine space. To learn more, head to zelandes.com.
0: Let me ask you about South America, and I, I call it the ABC question, Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile. And I got asked a lot in the two days I was here about Bolivia, and I said, Bolivia doesn't matter for lithium. I mean, it doesn't, I don't care what happens with the election from a lithium standpoint. I do from a human, <laughs> a human standpoint. But when you look at Chile right now and you look at Argentina right now, what, what is your perspective on – potential impacts from a new constitution in Chile or from a presidential election in Argentina.
4: I think, I think it just slows down the growth that the industry needs. We're in this, this weird point in lithium at the moment where, you know, there is a backlog at a a feedstock level. Um, you definitely have, that's going to take some working through. Um, but the supply of, you know, chemicals and particularly battery grade chemicals, um, You know that isn't in such a huge excess at the moment and we really need to be building out further conversion capacity and further uh, further ability to supply that type of chemical for where the market's going to be in three four years time and with South America being or potentially you know if we look sort of 12 months ago what was being laid out was you know going to be quite central to some of that growth over the next few years Um, some of it now comes a bit more into question so I think it just adds to the you know you've seen that all of the, a lot of those tier two, tier three Chinese converters stall in what they were aiming to do. And everyone was saying how there's going to be plenty of spodumene to plug into those. And that would be churning out battery grade chemicals. And then you'd have lots more production from brine. And um, I think both of those things have sort of gone in a opposite direction recently. Would you agree, Emily? <laughs> you were talking about Bolivia this morning Tony.
1: me. Yeah, I mean, Bolivia is not important from a lithium standpoint. Um, the the question or the, the the my wish list my lithium wish list is for some analytical teams to start modeling some different scenarios in Chile you know simon you know and i guess ben you also matter
0: <laughs> ben matters um, what
1: are you, what are you, hashtag like, ben you, matters how do you start looking at that from a modeling standpoint repeat the question so you guys forecast... Yeah. Supply.
5: Yeah.
1: How does what's happening in Chile, how do you analyze it from a supply forecasting standpoint?
5: Well, we forecast on a quarterly basis now. We, we originally were doing it once a year, um, as probably all publishers out there do, unless you're maybe a, a bank. Um, and now we do it quarterly. And the second half of that sentence, Andy Miller is going to finish and answer this question. <laughs>
4: Well, no, I, I think you know the best way you can is a black box, and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in that part of the world at the moment. But what we really focus all of our data collection around is trying to have first hand intelligence, and you know we have our colleague Jose, who's based in, in Santiago, follows developments in South America very closely and tries to give us the the real view of what is happening on the ground, rather than just you know company statements that you get at certain intervals that may yeah. not give you the full picture. Um, so I don't know is there. A,
2: the only other thing I would add, that, you know, with our forecast that is, you know, makes it very useful for our customers is that you can, if you choose to, you can change our, our, you know, base case scenario, and you can do sensitivity analysis analysis throughout the model. So, okay, like we're saying, this is what we think, but if someone says, actually, I think this will be higher, this will be lower, they put that in, and it, you can see how much it really impacts the market. So, you know, the reality is that there's like for each of these minerals, there's five to ten factors that within ten years time depending on what happens with them will be a bigger supply demand change um than the total size of the market today so we are aware of that and there are you know there's lots of unknowns in the supply chain and i think what you need to do is see how big of an impact they 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 have in five ten years time and 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 make up your mind on what it may be your investments or
5: yeah but you're right modeling things like social unrest which you know are going is very important for lithium right now um you need people on the ground
1: what if you modeled a uh, a bigger royalty how would that hit your model
2: uh, I, I would. look at the drc right yeah. look what happened there they shut the biggest cobalt mine in the world
1: <laughs> so but like let's say for like for in theory a, a royalty of an additional 10% an export tax how what kind of impact does that have on your forecasting how big of an impact would that be? Or walk me through what the thought process would be from an analyst who forecasts
4: So we have to look in, it depends which country, it depends project on a project in- Two well. projects
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so we'd have to look at the targets of where they're aiming to ramp you know all of our our ramp up in any types of supply expansions that we see in the market uh, are based upon you know we look at what's happened historically in those regions we try and look at the the impact of previous changes in policy um, and how that's affected their ability to ramp up and then we we place where that puts them on the cost curve as well and that, that's a big part of our analysis um, so there's, there's no one-off thing that we do in particular. And and as I say, it's on a case-by-case basis, which is why we break everything down.
0: When you look at, from all the discussions you have, and you talk to OEMs, you talk to battery guys, what's the concern level of adequate supply of the quality of material they need? Is it still fool's paradise or are people getting worried? Or, I mean, it's... Yeah. It's an emerging... I think you can break
5: the autos down into three groups, really. Call them tiers, if you want. Um, there's a, there's a, a handful, maybe three, that are really serious, that are looking into the whole supply chain and are worried about raw material supply, especially lithium and nickel. They're top of the list, those two, really. Cobalt, casamide, um, well can add more, but Cobalt's actually dropped down the list um, of concerns. It's more of a... A, um, a supply chain transparency thing with cobalt than it is a volume thing, whereas actually volumes of lithium nickel have got a handful of the autos concerned. Then you've got this tier two group that have kind of done work in it, but are like almost frozen in the headlights. They know it's an issue, uh, but no one's making a call to do anything about it yet. And that's the downside of a you know really, Big industry that hasn't changed for a generation, and that has a lot of, um, let's say, red tape in it, and and there's kind of you have these different departments looking at each other, but no one's making the call, and that has to come from the top, right? That has to come from a big bold plan, uh, rather than launching one or two EVs here and there.
2: Yeah, also people have short memories. I'll Add that you know cobalt price now is, you know. Down, the same lithium, right? Price is quite low at the moment, historic, probably within historic ranges, but it, everybody considers it to be low. And so they're less concerned. They forgot that 18 well, months it, ago it was That's 40 bucks, an interesting right?
0: point you make because I, I have the October numbers for Chile, and both the Atacama producers are selling at very low prices in China. Mm-hmm. But most of their volume in Korea and Japan is still over 10, in some cases it's over 11. Which is more than double what it was selling for four years ago today. Yeah. yeah. So it's, but most people haven't been following it for four years. So yeah, exactly. the, this whole the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and it's like an interesting thing with with when John Evans, who I used to work for at Live or FMC Lithium, came back into the industry says, "Hey, this seems great to me." Because when I left, it was five thousand a yeah. ton. Perspective is everything. all. Yeah, it's yeah, all about exactly. perspective. Perspective
5: yeah. everything because in. When we started a benchmark, the battery industry was 60 gigawatt hours a year. Mm-hmm. This year, it's going to be 190. So it's growing 3x in the time we've just been talking about it. And everyone feels like this party hasn't started yet. Well, it has. It's just happening in China right now. It's not happening in the rest of the world.
0: Well, let me let me just posit to you uh, uh, an observation I made last week. And you can tear holes in it if it, you think it's wrong. But... I took the Korean and the Japanese September year-to-date import stats, and they're already ahead of last year. And if you annualize them, it's up 30,000 tons. This is carbonate and hydroxide. And this carbonate and hydroxide is all going in to Tier 1 yeah. battery. So you have all this hand-wringing and all this angst that, oh, my God, China is not growing like we thought it was. And you everybody knows the battery industry is all China, which I've always said was... BS and 30,000 tons even if even if it only comes out to be 25,000 when you when when the numbers are finally in but if you if you look at the historical record you can pretty well annualize September and be close um why is there such sentiment that EVs aren't growing and you know this is i mean i called i called 2019 a gap year not because i the market didn't grow it's just because sentiment was so bad that Mm. you know it was just everybody needs to chill and so what what, i mean what's your take on battery growth bringing korea and japan into the discussion
4: well i i go back to actually the presentation simon gave this week at cathode and sort of outlined how the narrative, there's a bit of a false narrative around the situation in a lot of these markets. You're still looking at, I think you called it the double-digit paradox.
5: Is that I that from your lithium price paradox <laughs> blog from earlier in the year, which was the biggest received... Does article that make of it a circular
0: reference? What yeah. happens with a paradox <laughs>
1: of a paradox?
5: That sounds oh, like that Inception. Too. That sounds like some <laughs> oh Christopher Nolan. Yeah, it does. Um,
4: but yeah, you, you're, you know, uh, I think maybe too much of the story has gone to China. Obviously, you're seeing massively high growth levels and and that excited the industry but the bigger picture now is not just china which is going to continue to grow this year but what happens with the the rest of the world um and it's not you know it's going to be the growth initially in those tier one uh japanese and korean battery producers
0: well yeah i I view japan and korea as a surrogate for what's happening in ev in europe yeah and and the u.s but the u.s is always going to lag because we're just we have no policy and you know as long as gas is as cheap as it is here that's always going to have an impact too (laughs) do most of what you say about cobalt with batteries naturally line up with what he says about lithium and batteries or do you have disconnects you have to work out
2: pretty much it lines up they're actually very similar markets it's quite funny that what we see typically is that what happens in cobalt will happen maybe a few months later in lithium but they the the trends are very similar but the only thing that cobalt has that it's like different to lithium is obviously that substitution for nickel so that kind of impacts things a bit more but it's still you know the market's growing yeah like i think double digits as well and yep. this is a down year you know it's uh, People expect, you know, if it's not twenty five percent growth, we're going backwards. Well, that's ridiculous. What other markets yeah. do you even get ten percent growth?
5: That's why lithium and cobalt are very different. Same nickel markets and graphite anode, because 50, over fifty percent of the supply, give or take, is going into batteries. So the whole industry is now geared towards lithium ion batteries. It's not the same for nickel, and it's not the same for graphite. And it's a, it's an interesting point when I gave the when I was working out the keynote presentation at Cathodes I worked out I wanted to work out hold on price is down we get that but demand's up so I worked out for the raw materials lithium down our uh, weighted chemical index down 12% average uh, demand's up 18% this year we had cobalt down 8% price up 12% demand this year yeah. give or yeah, take yeah sounds about right yeah. then you go but it's interesting you go to Cathodes and Anodes again price down demand up but they're tied to the raw materials so you can kind of understand that then go to lithium batteries price down 21 percent demand up 25 percent and evs are going to grow probably eight percent this year depending on if more bad news comes out of china so you've got extreme well double digit growth across the board in the whole supply chain yet the prices are down and and what it tells us is you know no no speciality chemical or part of the supply chain is immune to Supply short-term supply-demand imbalances, but the trend, the long-term, even the medium-term trend is, is stratospheric. What other industry is growing at eighteen percent a year? Ask any commodity or chemical industry that.
1: Kind of to to. I will when I see them. Um, (laughs) But one of the 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 topics that Joe and I did a podcast on recently was like, what's the bottom? Is the bottom sentiment? Is the bottom price? Which trail's which? Are we at the bottom? How long is the bottom? Let's talk about bottoms. Ben. <laughs> only, only, only you could ask
0: that question and I, I get into trouble, Emily.
3: You want me to comment you, on bottoms? I, I, <laughs> I do. Sense, I, mean, well, I,
0: can, I mean,
3: I can only say from a sales perspective, because I get the sponsors in for our events, so I sell our products and stuff like that. So I think... Definitely with Benchmark, when we started, it was the majority of our customers on events were development stage mining companies looking to attract investment. And now their kind of tactic has had to change because obviously there's no real interest, especially from the institutional funds. So they are now hoping for attention from the companies further downstream. And um, fortunately for me, with my robot benchmark, I don't have to do any forecasting of lithium and I'm delighted about that. <laughs> but that's basically my really kind of crude perspective from, you know, selling our services. Um
0: Well, I mean, that, that's actually, that's a great indicator is how easy or hard it is to sell and how you can price what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. how you price what you're doing is, is all about the value yep. people see of this. Well, in a down market,
3: if you look at it across... The last couple of years we're actually doing very well for ourselves still. So the interest in what we're doing is still you know, growing continuously. This year's probably a record for. Or maxed out. Right? Speaker sponsors. Yep. Maxed out. So
5: Ran out of spots.
3: It's and been brilliant.
4: Yeah, maybe going back to the, the bottom, I, I suppose, from my perspective, I think. I, I think, you know, particularly in China, we're at the bottom because I you know, produce no none of the converters there are able to produce at current price levels apart from one or maybe two of the big guys with some new capacity in the market. So, you know, I think we're at the bottom in China. How long is the bottom I think is the crucial question. And I think a lot of that you know, there is definitely a backlog that needs to be worked through now. It's a backlog, backlog of spodumene from Australia, but it's also, you know, you're also starting to see some of that origin of DSO that was sat around finding its way back into the market. So um, uh, that's a real
0: but, tough sell at current yeah. prices. Because when when we were looking at DSO, I mean, a lot of the people that bought. Was the equivalent of thirteen thousand, <laughs> you know? I mean, or 1,300 <laughs> uh, 1, a ton rather of spodumene?
4: Yeah, I'm and, not saying I'm not saying it's sustainable. It's gonna, but there, there's no. Some I that no. I
0: get, big, I mean, yeah. China's a is a very confused uh, market right now. But yeah. uh, let me let me posit a theory, and then you can poke holes in it. Okay, so my information would say that the average cathode producer in China has less than a week's inventory of lithium chemicals because he keeps hoping the price goes down more so he doesn't want to be holding. doesn't mean there's not a lot of inventory in China. It just means where it is. So if he was holding six to eight weeks a year ago and he took that down, that added to the oversupply year over year. But when the price starts to tick up and then the, the mentality is I got to buy as much as I can now. Cause next month it's going to be more, the, the whole thing reverses itself and you have a panic and you had, you've had a panic 2006 to 2008. Yeah. had a panic and to 15 to into 17. And I personally believe that whoever's smart enough to lock in the big guys to well-priced contracts. It's going to feel very good about it, either this time next year or early in twenty-one. And I believe the China spot price may go as high as it's ever been. Yeah. You tell me why that's wrong. I'm not going
4: to. i not say you're wrong, but I'm going to say I, I don't know whether it's the exact timing. I'd agree. Well, that's but, what, Yeah. I, but I, I, I think I, when it turns, it turns very quickly, um, and everything that's happened in the market over the past three to six months would make me believe that's the case even more. So yeah, whether it's the the tail end of next year when you're looking at 2021 contracts and the volumes start to get that bit bigger.
2: um, Yeah. It's very similar to Cobalt. Same thing. My feeling is H2 next year is like people start to look at 2021 and they think, hang on a minute, This is getting really tight now and then prices just do what they did in 2016 go from roughly where they are now tick all the way well i don't i'm not going to say it's going to go up to the you know the levels we saw in 2018 but it's certainly looking like the second half of next year is going to be interesting
0: i'm not saying lithium's going to i'm saying there's a very real possibility it could because then you know china tinkers with their policy all the time and if they put a policy in that suddenly seems very bullish for evs (laughs) It just becomes a the Wild West. Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. So. I think we haven't. You know, you haven't. A lot, a lot really hasn't been learned in that time frame since the last price spike. And you thought, you know, there obviously is a lot of new feedstock capacity has come into the market, and there was a lot of talk about a lot of new conversion capacity and how that was going to expand. And it hasn't actually come to fruition. A lot of that, obviously, there's been a lot more spodgyamine, but where the prices for spodgeamine at the moment, you, you know, there's a big backlog in that part of the market. I think it's going to mean that. Like I say, when it does turn, there's the potential that it could
5: turn, um, you know, in the same way that we saw in 2015. And the wall of demand is building. The wall, it's just getting more and more intense. And when you have that situation where supply is been... The Great Wall? That works, actually. The Great Wall of Demand. But it's also, you know, eventually going to be coming in significant quantities from Europe, right? And then from North America and over the longer term. And so if you're neglecting supply so much, and there's this wall of demand building... We keep
1: building the wall
5: up and up and up what happens to price (laughs) and and lithium price never goes up by bits when it goes up it goes up significantly and it's the same with cobalt i looked at other um, minor speciality minerals and metals and chemicals in this big report i did 10 years ago vanadium was the only other one that was demand driven and you look at the price curves in vanadium it's the same as lithium it's the same as cobalt when these prices come back i think lithium will go bigger than ever certainly within China, obviously outside of China. Well, yeah, no, it's,
0: it's... it's, it's uh, When I talk about spot, I'm talking about China. the spot, yeah. the yeah. marginal price, and then what... I mean, I was very lucky in 2016 because I moved a lot of hydroxide mm. at $26,850 yeah. because I could get it. <laughs> and, you know, I sold it in multiple countries. And that's when the, the spot impacted the small guy that didn't have relationships outside of china it's not going to impact the biggest buyers because they have security so put yourself in 2021 let's say
5: when the situation plays out and you're around a table you're selling your lithium chemicals your hydroxide
1: if they even use tables in the future
5: (laughs) (laughs) that far in the future as well it's not far (laughs) 2021 will be very soon what's the negotiation
0: like from your, from your
5: previous experience, how will that price? Well, let me let me tell up? you. Let me tell you a story.
0: And you may have heard it before because I have t- told it very often. But I in October of fifteen, after I saw you, I went to Bangkok, and I had customers in the grease industry in Thailand, and I said, I'm going to tell you a little story. And I can get you twelve containers of hydroxide, and I can guarantee it. 6875 I urge you to give me a purchase order for it cuz I can confirm it right now but it, this this window is not going to be open for a long time and it's always like a 25-year-old woman who I'm negotiating with whose great uncle owns the business and it's always it's always Mr. Joe the older I get the more respect I get you know and she's she said they have a little conference and we'll take 6 containers I said, you can get 12. And she said, well, we think we have another supplier in China who will go lower than that, but we trust you, blah, blah, blah. And we all know what happened in October and November of 2015. So their other suppliers wouldn't even return their calls. So they came back to me and said, Mr. Joe, we need six more containers. I said, I can get them for you but they're $26,850. So for that year, we shipped every other month two containers. One invoice said the low number, and one invoice said that same product, same people, same certificate of analysis, but they were paying almost 4X. And that's the way the negotiations will go. For the, for the stuff I would, would be in the market for, you know because i never i wasn't selling um i sold uh Zenjagans carbonate for galaxy for a little bit when i first started doing what i'm doing now but i uh i just got drawn into it mm. because i had relationships where i could get it but i had customers in well they weren't customers they were people who knew who i was in india offered me over thirty thousand. yeah and I said, I'm not doing business with you because you, you guys are going to want to go to the bottom as soon as you can. You have no relationships. This is a lesson that you need to learn. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to have to shut your plants down. Cause-
5: and that is the lithium industry. And that's also the cobalt industry, right?
2: Yeah, similar. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels between the two industries, really, in many ways. Obviously, batteries driving it, which is the main one, but similar, similar style.
0: So, gents, what else should we talk about? Shoot, what would you like to know? Well, I think I think our listeners would like to know that you're still generating income on YouTube for your musical prowess. Oh wow. And uh, <laughs> you
1: well, might generate more income. We'll put that in the our... show
0: notes so everybody can yeah. let's support Ben I Ash. I wonder if it's
1: <laughs> DJ Fresh.
0: No, no,
3: no, no. I wonder if it's via YouTube that I got that. I don't know, but it's you know it's it's well if
0: you'll give us links we will we publish said links I'll get into you we, and scratch, we, and so, we your back we how many listeners ours. do you usually get Joe hmm? how many listeners um for the average, in the low the thousands uh, in the highest has ever been 80,000 for one podcast. How many? 80,000.
4: Imagine if you got the royalties that on that 80,000 download. It would be trained. I
3: think per listen I might get 0.0001 one cent. so <laughs> if we get 80,000. <laughs> this times is that, in,
0: this is a gift the Global Lithium podcast is trying to give you, Ben.
3: I appreciate that. Be
0: gracious. Don't what? look
1: us in the mouth.
0: No, no, I
3: appreciate. I'm saying that's more than what I would okay. get now. What's so your 80, d- what's your DJ name? Well, when i was making music my artist name was society
0: it's not a bad one my daughter's movie was the society tm
3: wow it was meant to be yeah hey
0: yeah, maybe go. we could get you to do the music for her next and now
3: look where time. i am using my creativity in other yeah.
0: areas okay <laughs> all right so anything else we should cover what I think that you it's, talk your, about? The,
1: it's your turn to throw a rapid fire one out there joe
0: And and I have a confession to make. And I'm going to have to mail you a global lithium. You guys hats because I didn't bring hats because I thought I was only dealing with three two time <laughs> two time guests. Me and Andy have hats. I know that's because what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, we've got. I mean, it's, it's because you have hats, I didn't bring you another right. hat. I got to come up with another thing. I think we have the 2016 model actually. Maybe yeah. Well, model. I have I have a summer model now. Okay. I do and uh, so t-shirts? I mean your hat. You-
3: Any t-shirts.
0: Dude, I don't do T-shirts. That's passe. I wear
3: them in my tennis competition and advertise you back home in sunny South Okay, so rapid
0: fire. So I can't... I don't even remember what we... we, We've kind of cycled our questions. So I'm going to ask Casper. Sure. If you could have dinner with any historical figure, living or dead, we'll bring them back to life for you. Who's it going to be? And if you could have... Two people to dinner instead of one who would the two you would pick be and why
2: oh wow that's a really hard question um historical figure <laughs> living or dead yeah um nikola tesla
0: okay Ooh. good What well, oh, a good one. Well, come on very on, on theme Go. yeah I know what you're doing there come on uh and two, we
1: love, we thank you for the SEO.
0: What are you going to, you going to bring Thomas Edison back to, or something? That yeah, 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 was you, a tool. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, what about the guy who runs
2: Uber? Then you could ask him about your rating.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Yeah. You
2: could ask him how I can how I can improve my Uber rating. Okay, so
0: okay, so you got Nikola Tesla. What do you serve him?
2: Uh, what do I serve him? Traditional British fare. Maybe
0: what is that? Mean? Courage. <laughs> Something pretty awful. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's courage. Think yeah. a shepherd's yeah. pie. That could be good.
2: Yeah, or maybe some some game. Maybe nice, nice. Take him to
0: rules. Okay, Ben Ash. Yes, you can communicate with everyone on this planet in their native language on a billboard. Okay, what message do you leave the world?
3: I say.
2: I say Stream Society. Yeah that I could
3: I would uh, I would say it's E V all the way. Okay.
1: I've got one for Stand Andy. with the
0: theme. Okay.
1: Really fast, one word answer. You ready? I
0: hate these. I
1: know. You ready? Sure. I hand you a gun. We go back in time. Do you kill Hitler?
4: Y- yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think... No, oh, Is no. that a bad thing. That's a good
0: to question. Prepare? No, I said no. He no. and he answered. You answered quickly. I think your first is answer, is your true Wink answer, Wink. is that a bad thing? To no.
1: Know? No, there is no wrong answer. Okay. Because like, what if you change so the spacetime that's, continuum? Well, yeah, it's like
0: that's like the, yeah, the, so the butterfly effect. Yeah, the
5: butterfly. That's why
1: <laughs> I wanted the first answer. You Chaos
5: know? theory, butterfly he effect. You end up with like Jurassic Park stuff or okay, even worse.
1: <laughs> yeah, or like that movie with Ashton uh, Kutcher, right?
5: I really enjoyed that.
0: When you put that shard in my hand. Something big was going to happen. Did you? Yeah. Oh, no. Simon, what's the last book you read? Actually, it's called...
5: It's about Steve Bannon and Donald Trump, and it's written by his Bloomberg journalist that's awesome. I want to and
1: read it's deck.
5: called uh, Devil's Bargain. It's absolutely brilliant it's called "It's Devil's Bargain the Storming of the White House and it's actually a very kind of balanced which um, you don't there really
1: are f- reasonable people on both sides
5: well it's, ba- it's a balanced it's from this Bloomberg journalist but a balanced um, account really of, of what happened through 2014 15 all the way through to Donald Trump being elected and even though we kind of lived it and I was coming to the States a lot uh, throughout the whole period and Andy was living here for a big chunk of it uh, still is, um, kind of you forget how all these little events lead to bigger. Well, that's a butterfly effect. Leads to bigger events, bigger events, bigger events, all starting from really when um, Obama mocks Trump at the uh, at the, uh, the White House press dinner, right? And things like that. So that's that's an awesome book.
0: Read it. Ben Ash, mm-hmm. what's your favorite movie of all time?
3: I would say I was thinking about this the other day. I think Apocalypse Now. Okay. He's up there. Yeah, Maybe. one of my favorites. I
0: love the spell napalm in the morning. Exactly. That the read-ups.
1: You know, he was wasted. What's the actor's name? He was actually oh. drunk during most of the scenes. And Marlon he actually... Yeah. No, no, the one who punches the window. The, the mirror. When he breaks the mirror... And Martin Sheen, is it? Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. He was actually very drunk during a lot of that filming and a lot of his acting is off-script.
5: Martin Sheen will always be the President of the United States to me. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. West Wing. He'll always be Private Eddie Slovak too. That was one of his first <laughs> roles. So he's got a lot of, lot of roles.
1: And the way things are going, maybe one day he will be President of the United States. Anyone
0: count? Andrew no. Miller. What? Who, who is your favorite band? Society. <laughs> society
1: yeah.
4: all four of me <laughs> i'm a big arctic monkeys fan i have to admit. that's
0: a great call. that's probably my favorite band casper favorite
2: band oh it's a very hard question fleetwood mac okay nice. all right yeah he's just trying to be cool
5: Is that's the end
1: fleetwood thing, mac but... is pretty cool he wasn't alive
5: at the time you there casper
2: yeah, I know. Big yeah. tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's a hipster. Okay. It's not
0: that big. Well, I think with that, unless you have a question for us. Ben, do you have a question for us?
3: I have a question for you. What's your uh, biggest takeaway from cathodes this week? Good or bad?
0: Well, no, it was really interesting because it, it's still the confusion of a lot of people that Bolivia is somebody in the lithium industry. Because I really right after the lunch thing, when I came off the little stage there, I went up to get something to eat, and a guy comes up and he goes, so what impact is what's happening in Bolivia gonna have on lithium? And I said, look, buddy, I've been asked to sell the same container that's in the port of Los Angeles. It's 9,000 tons of lithium each year for three years. I think it might be the only shipment they ever did, and it didn't go to a customer it's in storage at the port of los angeles i said that is
1: i'd go on that site visit
0: that is bolivia's contribution (laughs) to lithium supply so it's not it's not it's not a thing so it's just even with everything that's written and people will pay to come to an event and they'll even if they listen who talked about bolivia as being a big supplier in any supply demand i mean it's just New York Times and several others have put Bolivia as the Saudi Arabia of lithium, and that has stuck. And it's a great hard, headline, though.
5: Isn't that's it? a hard way. It's a great hard, clickbait headline. I was, I was point, the first yeah. one
0: yeah. to call Chile the Saudi Arabia of lithium in 1996, when SQM was just starting. I coined that, and I, and then now I, I despise it. <laughs> <laughs> way
1: to go, Joe! That was the butterfly effect.
0: Okay, you did a
3: great job on the panel, by the way. So, and you've got a new name. Lithium, Lithium Joe. Joe. Lithium
5: Joe,
0: yeah. <laughs> I said, nobody calls me
1: that. i call like you that.
5: No, okay, so... I, I have a question for Emily. Yeah. What, are your, what were your takeaways yesterday from your Washington, D.C. conference with Senator Mikowski?
1: I, my takeaway was, so I, I participated in a real clear politics talk about minerals, the sort of forgotten part of the energy transition, was that... Unlike the financial world, the policy world in the United States is starting to wake up to the urgency of the need to do something and the complexity of supply chains in general. I was pleasantly surprised um, by how few people talked about Bolivia. Um, I, I was pleasantly surprised and I was a, it was a good energy of urgency and a need to act that was being transmitted. So that was that was my takeaway. My my takeaway from even though I only made it to what I'll lovingly call the dregs of uh, of battery week, and you know I I wanted to be at you know anodes and then drink some electrolytes and make it all the way through <laughs> cathodes, some excess <laughs> lithium. Like I had some jokes ready, um, but I I was today delighted by how much I genuinely enjoy the company of so many of the humans in the lithium industry and how many people that I saw today, I just, I I love sitting down and just, like, talking to them about stuff, what they do. You know, Mike Tamlin, who was, I think, mm-hmm. he was our first podcast guest that was from a lithium company, so he took a leap of faith. Um, and I love just, like, talking to him about recycling and stuff, and I, it just, it really, I really actually enjoy the humans in this space and i I have great expectations for what we can all achieve if we work to to achieve those ends
0: that's a real community right that's i i i i want i would be remiss if i left my impression of cathodes with bolivia Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so it's a quality event i thoroughly enjoyed meeting roger he's a great Oh, uh, Roger Atkins. Yeah, Ooh. he's a great. Not sh- of
1: the Atkins diet.
0: He's a great. Yeah. He's yeah. a great showman. He really is trying to do a good work. Um, I enjoyed the. Even though I think there's there's a lot to happen before that would be successful, the first presenter today with the commuter. Helicopter, whatever. Cool. Uh, I thought that was cool.
5: Anita of AXS. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Anita. Battery powered planes. Yeah, yeah, and
0: um, uh, you know I think there's there's a lot of hard work to do to get that to make that fly, so, pun intended. But uh, no, and I would also say the same thing. This is a you've you've developed a a community. I mean, I have never. Like I'm just gonna shout out to Stu Crow, my buddy. I you know I don't I don't do anything with his company, but we've just become friends just by hanging out at the same events. Uh, Last time I was in London, he was in London. We arranged to meet. Um, It's just there's a lot of really nice people in this business, and uh, yeah, I mean you've put together a good a good event, and. what's what was the attendance this year versus last year
5: it was cathodes was down about five percent and really you can attribute that to lithium juniors really and then graphite anodes is up 20 percent. okay
0: and and then of the group how many will repeat oh good question wait anyway i'll leave you to ponder that but
5: it's probably on 60%, 50%. Yeah, I'd say two-thirds. Mm. Yeah. Two-thirds. I yeah. two-thirds at least. Yeah. But it's funny, events, people feel sometimes they need to come once every two years. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of year. people that
0: do that with the other, other stuff that's yeah. out there, especially battery conferences. Yeah. They'll go every other year just because... It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Man, which is why, yeah. It's a lot. All right, well, I think we're going to wrap this up. Thanks, Big Ben, for gracing us with your surprise visit. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me
1: so we're going to speed through this part but there's a lot of active social media presences in the room um, Simon you're on Twitter at
2: at S-D-Maws.
1: Ben are you on Twitter?
2: I'm not yep at, at Rules.
1: Andy.
4: At um, a Miller underscore bmi. Yeah. So I was going to
0: say if you don't remember, I had to look you up last time. <laughs> and and then then we're this. I'm at Instagram
3: though. I'm on that. Yeah. <laughs> that.
0: Right. No All right. More. It's all nice. Benchmark
1: is at Benchmark. Benchmark Min. At Benchmark Min. Uh, everybody has a strong LinkedIn presence um, you all have a website and services and an interactive tool that allows people to put their own assumptions into your models and play with forecasts which is cool Joe where can people find you on the world wide web
0: at Global Lithium on Twitter two podcasts this one and one on Anchor FM Global Lithium Q&A and they're both on and both podcasts are on Spotify now I a lot of people mentioned it in the eight your long podcast isn't on Spotify it is now on Spotify all the episodes have flown, flown through so get out there LinkedIn I'm on Instagram at Global Lithium
1: TikTok Joe
0: I'm not on TikTok and if you mention that again it will not go well for you
1: oh well I, don't have to have, I, can, I can handle the, the, the whatever the results of that joke are I'll take them well, it's, I am, a Ch-
0: it's a Chinese it's probably wind up getting
1: it's the youths off.
0: Oh yeah. So like they do little me. videos and stuff.
1: <laughs> anyway, I am at Lithium Podcast on the Twitters. I am on LinkedIn, Emily Hirsch, and you can find this what podcast. About Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat. <laughs> oh, really? This really?
0: spends
5: all his time on Snapchat. <laughs>
1: I would. You know what though? Like, I, I don't want more apps. It's it, I I they stress me out. I'm an, I'm a millennial with anxiety, so um you can find the Global Lithium Podcast at www.lithiumpodcast.com.
0: And I'm gonna remind the listening public that when we last were with Andrew Miller and Simon Morris in London it was the first time we ended the podcast by saying
1: Good, good night, night and, and good luck
0: look. as a tribute to Edward R. Murrow. He used to say, and this is London, and then he'd close with good night and good luck. This has been the Global Lithium Podcast with co-hosts Joe Lowry and Emily Hirsch. The podcast is edited by Elena Peach and produced by Joe, Emily, and Elena. You can find more episodes of the podcast at lithiumpodcast.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Joe or Emily or a suggestion for a future episode topic, please send an email to globallithiumpodcast at gmail.com.